Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Calm Collective Podcast. I'm Cassandra, and as always, I'm so grateful that you're here with me today from wherever you are in the world. Today's message is short and sweet, um, but I really wanted to share this with you as it's made an enormous impact, both on how I view myself and how my relationships are unfolding. I've gotten into the beautiful and sometimes scary and almost always uncomfortable habit of owning my pieces, being self-aware, but then declaring it out loud where it counts. So here's an example. The other day, something happened that was profound. It moved me to my core. And as quickly as I had the thought, oh, I'm so grateful for this moment, I had the following thought, I am beyond terrified and everything inside of me wants to flee. And instead of swallowing it up and listening to the fear and repeating the same old patterns, I put it to paper to free myself of the trigger. And maybe that doesn't seem like a big deal, but the moment you name your demons, that's the moment they lose their power. And the really beautiful part is that once this becomes second nature for you, for you to question fear, the doubt, the trigger, you're able to vocalize and communicate it with the people who matter most to you, the people who would suffer for your, from your internal struggle. Be it a partner, a best friend, a sibling, a coworker, having the ability to say, as an example, I just want to be open with where I'm at in this moment. X is a trigger for me that I'm very much aware of, and so I take full ownership if I've been distant. I respect you, so I want nothing more than to be transparent so that there's no disconnect or misunderstanding. And take it from me, and not only will they hear you, but they'll respect you beyond measure. Transparency and ownership of our pieces is not only a powerful relationship tool, it's one of the biggest acts of self-care and self-love and self-respect and self-acceptance that you can give yourself. So tap in. Name your fears. Let them go by sending them out into the universe. And watch what happens. You'll be free. So I'm doing something a little bit different, but after I recorded the message that you just heard about owning pieces, I had this huge download to share an experience that I've gone through and that I continue to go through and I'm in the depths of healing and I'm just about there. I can taste it. Um, I'm definitely in the day-to-day practice of, of owning that shame and releasing that shame. And it felt really important to sort of piggyback off of the message that we just, we just spoke about. So I'm going to flow right in to that episode. I just sat down. I just recorded this story for you guys. And I just wanted to um, have it be an extension. So let's flow into this. It's not very long. I promise. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Calm Collective Podcast. I'm Cassandra, and I'm so grateful that you're showing up here today and that you are hopefully feeling lit up by these episodes each week, as lit up as I am to present them to you. This is truly my happy place, and I just feel so thankful to have found this way to express myself, express my 
inner knowings and all of my learnings as I grow and evolve. As I always say, I don't have it figured out, but I'm so grateful for the space to be figuring it out in real time with all of you. It really does mean so much to me. So very recently, you probably heard the episode on owning our pieces. It was a very short little nugget that I hope landed so well for all of you and really just inspired and motivated you to hopefully start speaking your pieces out loud and not letting the fear or the shame um, keep you small, right? It's a really beautiful practice to get in the habit of maybe starting with pen to paper, owning it to pen to paper, and then feeling safe enough and secure enough and whole enough to start talking with your friends and family about these things. So the story that I want to share with you today is a very personal one, but it feels profound in this season of owning my pieces and of releasing shame. And it really plays, it goes hand in hand with the message that I was just talking about that I shared um, earlier on the podcast. So for the longest time, I remember hiding the fact that, wait for it, I still count on my fingers. Yep, that's a fun fact for you. I count on my fingers. Math stresses me the fuck out. And it took me far too long to understand how to tip (laughs) because honestly, I feel like it's a superpower if you can concentrate on moving the decimal over and yada, yada, yada. If you're wondering... I simply multiply the first number by two and always round up. You're welcome. It makes it so much easier. But here's the thing. This was something that I was deeply ashamed of. Ever since I was little, math gave me a complex. I can think back to being in fourth grade. I was nine. And having the thought, that feeling in my belly of, oh, I'm not good enough. Why can't my brain hold on to this information? Why won't it register? What is wrong with me? So I did what most kids tend to do. I got quiet and stopped raising my hand because how many times did I have to admit to the public, to all of my peers, that I didn't get it, that I wasn't understanding? As I got older, I noticed something else. Since I was really bad at test taking, even in my best subjects, I have test phobia and I freeze entirely. It's horrible. Anyone who shares this experience, I just... All my sympathy goes out to you because it's very frustrating. I became very OCD when it came to note-taking. I had a couple of teachers who were irritated with me and would say things like, you're smart, why aren't you applying yourself? And this would usually happen after I'd fail a test or barely pass a test. Or One teacher even told me that if I didn't have a boyfriend uh, or if it wasn't because of my current boyfriend or if I quit the dance team, I'd have more time for my studies just assuming that I didn't give two shits about school. I did. But that sort of shame would eventually lead me to just completely checking out. Especially after my experience with my sophomore biology teacher. This is a story that only few people know, and the reason that I held it so close was because I was so ashamed of it. So this is a really big deal that I'm expressing this here. My heart is pounding, but I feel ready. It feels important, and it feels detrimental to my self-growth. This teacher was the only one who acted like he cared about my grades. And although he would poke fun here and there about my not understanding something, he didn't make me feel like I was stupid. 
He always tried to put the effort into explaining things differently just until it clicked. And this was also the teacher that would make me shut down from school entirely. As he offered a tutoring session for me after school, right before my dance practice, which really ended up just being his way of trying to throw chalk down my shirt, pulling the back of my bra strap repeatedly until it snapped and came undone. And he continuously tried lifting up my skirt and was successful the last time and slapped my upper thigh to the point where I had a print. I was 16. The story is disturbing, but it's important. First, because it's a story that owned me for a huge part of my life. When I confided in my dance coach about what had happened and the authority got involved, a lot of the students then turned against me. I went to a very big school. I had gotten one of the cool teachers fired, and I was now considered worthless, a liar, and invaluable. Second, because it's a story that had me believe that I was stupid and unworthy of getting help. That the only thing that mattered was the way that I looked. And as a side note, I just want to say that in regards to that teacher, it took a very intense court date, a lot of time, a lot of harassment from students and unwavering support from my parents. But eventually, more girls ended up coming forward and spoke their own truth and experience with this teacher, which really did set me free in a lot of ways. There was still a lot of unpacking to do, clearly, as I sit here and express the story to all of you, but perhaps that's for another day. When we're in a shame spiral like this, and when our obsessive note-taking and highlighting and perfect handwriting and seeking out help outside of school hours just isn't perfect enough because that test score that our authority figures that say that like we're not paying attention, when our skirt is distracting, when we're not trying hard enough, well then what's the point? Why keep trying? And as I moved into chemistry the following year, I'd also realized that this was not my strong suit either. And when I got into college, I went to art school and was told that I didn't need chemistry to get in. I walked up to my teacher and said respectfully, I'm dropping this class. That was probably one of my first real acts of radical self-love. Because here's the truth. My life isn't affected in the slightest due to the fact that I dropped out of chemistry class. It also isn't affected by the fact that I count on my fingers. And if you ask me a math question, I'll laugh. Probably get a little flustered and say, give me three minutes while I pull out my calculator and figure this out. This doesn't make me stupid. This makes me my own human. What does affect me is being shoved into a box where I couldn't breathe. What does affect me is being told that I may not be book smart, but hey, I was a desirable 16-year-old, so my grade went up. What does affect me is what made me believe that if I wasn't pretty, if I wasn't desirable, I wasn't going to make it in the world. It's the shame that came from the fact that I don't retain information the same way that you might and being taught to believe that that's wrong. The best thing that could have happened to me alongside some beautiful therapy and support of family and friends and later in life discovering things like the To Be Magnetic program um, was going to art school for college. The beautiful thing about art school is that you learn by doing, not by sitting and listening. 
Every single class, we were participating, interactive, exploring, and pairing emotions with logic, and being encouraged to do so. I was surrounded by people who suffered in high school only to be propelled by college. Were the classes hard? Yeah, very. My art school had a very, very high dropout rate because it was difficult to stay in. But something about the way in which we were taught, being held, seen, understood, no better, no less, made me soar. In high school, I'm not afraid to say that I had something like a 2.7 GPA. That used to own me and make me feel so embarrassed and ashamed. In college, the classes were three times harder, and I graduated with a 3.76. While this story centers all around education and learning, I really hope that what you're taking away from it is that those pieces of you that were told are bad or shameful or not good enough, these are the pieces that will own you if you don't surrender. Surrendering is hard. It's uncomfortable especially when we have a depicted picture of authority and authority kind of takes us by the takes us by the wrist and says you're not doing this correctly. I can't tell you how many deep breaths I took while writing the outline for this episode because all of my shadowy pieces popped up again and again saying things like why are you admitting this? People are going to be so embarrassed for you. But I don't care. And if you are, It has so much more to say about you and your pieces than it does about mine. And I say that with great, great love. So whatever is owning you, whatever is making you shrink, whatever is holding you back, I just want you to know that it's okay to let it go. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say you don't know, that you don't understand, and to try to do things a different way. It's okay to share your story. And it's okay to still count on your fingers. (laughs) 